Why am I like this? Why do I always play a song that I want to hear? <gasps> Listen. So anyway, I was uh, criticizing myself there, and I'm going to continue. Um, why do I always start the show with a song that I want to hear the entire song, and that's not how you start a show? I'm an idiot, because I love that band, and I have not listened to them in a very long time. Well, here's the deal. Civil Wars, they were an incredible, incredible band, and then broke up. But a lot of their stuff is slower and quieter, but when they hit that groove like that right there on Barton Hollow... They're fucking peerless, man. They are so, so good. There's so many Americana bands out there, right? So many bands that are trying yes. to do the Southern Roots thing. Yep. Oof. Kings of Leon, good luck. All right, Civil Wars, they're no longer with us, unfortunately, because I saw them live twice, and once in Studio C, I once had them to myself. We didn't have an audience in there, and I asked them to do that song, and John Paul White is like, dude, it's 10.30 in the morning. There is no way I can <laughs> sing that song. I'm like, I bet you could. And he's like, oh. So I left for 15 minutes. He did vocal warm-ups, and we got a brilliant version of that song. I love him so much. It's the Brian Oak Show. Hi, my name is Brian Oak, and that's my friend Sean. Episode 350, if that's even possible, which I know I say that every show, but isn't it weird? Do you think it's weird? I do think it's weird. Yeah. yeah. It's a nice round number. It, I, I do like things that are easily divisible Me by too. 75. Yeah, that's why so, we had our daughter in 2000 for that reason. So you'd always be able to remember exactly how That's old she exactly is. exactly it. Yep. That's my friend Sean Bernard right there. Sean, you sound like you're a little congested. You all right? Yeah. It's, uh, I was saying to Michael that like every uh, every change of uh, seasons from fall to winter yep. every year, I get sick. Same. It's weird. I already went through it, and yeah. it, it, it hung on for a long time, which yeah. is not what I want to tell you. No. But it wasn't, you know, I'm like, oh, man, is this long-form COVID? Am I dying? What's happening? And I did test, by the way. I did test. It was negative, so. For death? Yeah, for death. Okay, good. Yeah. Your death test came back negative. <laughs> it was like really long suffering. Yes, death not so much. Probably not. You no. may want death after you're, you're this. not getting out that easy, my good man. All right, <laughs> exactly. you're not getting out that easy. We're here in the Smart Start MN Studio. Smart Start is Minnesota's original ignition interlock company. The hell does that mean, Sean? It means that if you drink and drive, and you, you're going to lose your license, where it's guilty before proven innocent when it comes to DUIs, and so which also, I mean, let's be honest, you fucked up, you drank, yeah. and then you drove, which was a dumb idea. You lost your license, but it's not the end of the road. Although it's going to feel like it for a day or two, you still can get back out on the road thanks to our friends at Smart. Yeah, your spouse or significant other might be a little bit crabby with you at the time as well. So it'd be a good idea to be able to drive the kids to. Jiu-jitsu lessons and everything else so that you're still doing your part because you fucked up. What about boomerang practice? Oh, that's especially because those are like twice a day. If you right. do like full boot camp boomerang yeah, yeah. lessons twice a day. No, those are two a days for two sure. Two a days? Yeah. Just seven like the days NFL, a week. Seven days a week. the boomerang league. A lot of people don't know about it, but the yeah. kids need to go twice a day if they're going to ever be any good at boomerang. Well, a lot of kids quit, but then they keep coming back. <laughs> Go to smartstartmn.com slash the Brian Oak Show for 20% off. You knew that was coming. The installation of the ignition interlock. And I hate corny jokes. Like I know that, you do. But that, I know was, you. that was fucking fantastic. You just that, teed it up. You just literally that was, was that just lob it up. I, I didn't even realize what I was doing, and it just... 
Oh, you know what I love? I love a good genuine laugh, which yes. is why I like doing this podcast, yep. because it doesn't always have to be a laugh a minute kind of situation, but you find all these real moments, and we're going to be talking to a dude who's literally remodeling a castle right now, okay? And we'll talk to him in so just a cool. minute. But before we get to that, let's go ahead and mention our good friend, Scott McKay, the mortgage guy from Edge Home Finance. Yeah, let's get his uh, NMLS number out of the way right away. Is that people, his Android number? Yeah, people love hearing that number, three three two zero six eight. That's one of my favorite numbers. Oh, people love that number. Yeah, one yeah. more time. Three three two zero six eight. Oh, I liked it even better the second I time. I feel like we're announcing lottery numbers or something. <laughs> but, um, Calling bingo. It's a weird time right now with rates, right? So everybody, not everybody, but some people are panicked. They're like, oh my gosh, the rates are so high and we can all take you back to when we were young and the rates were much higher than they are right now. Gather but, around, children. <laughs> Grandfather's going to tell a story. But the truth is, if you need to move, you want to move, you're probably going to move no matter what. Well, right. a cool thing that you can do is actually ask the seller to do a uh, buy down yeah. uh, of the rate. It is on the initial years of the program. I'm a realtor. I don't get into the mortgage stuff like yeah. and how that all works. So the best thing you can do is get a hold of Scott McKay, the mortgage guy. Very knowledgeable guy. He's been doing this for 30 years. Yep. That's why we agreed to partner with him on this, and yep. I'm using him for my uh, real estate business as well. 612-875-4338. That sounds like a good number, too. I like oh, all those man, numbers. That's a, that's a nice one. Sean, I hope you feel better, uh, and you. I hope I feel better at some point, too. Um, up next, we're going to be talking to, well, I like to call him Mac Daddy Mikey A, but... <laughs> Apparently, that doesn't look good on a cool business card when you're trying to do high-end restoration and architecture and real estate. Mike Anshel is going to be joining us just ahead. Actually, hang on. You bring him up for one yeah, second. Yeah, he's up. I, I accidentally said Mike, and I've never called you that before. I just threw it out there. You like Michael or you like Mike? Michael's good. Mike Mike was my high school name. It was. Okay, yeah. so but now you're a grown-ass man, That's so like you're Michael. Michael. All right, Michael. we're going to talk to you just ahead, but first, I picked out a song. It's a short one for my friend Sean, because I recently <laughs> was sick for about a big month, and yeah. I was just, why won't this go away? Why won't it stop? And then I realized, oh, yeah, chemtrails, the government. Oh. They're behind all of it, man. They are keeping us down. They are keeping us sick. And this is a song by the first band that ever genuinely frightened me when I was a kid. The Dead Kennedys made me realize the world was not on my side. Not everybody is going to take your best interest to heart. You are on your own. And it was a powerful lesson. It was a terrifying lesson. But it's a lesson that I still retain to this day some years later. Dead Kennedys. Government flew on The Brian Oak Show. Get it on the bus, we're standing on the bus, we can't get it off, but I'm so 
I know that Jello Biafra, lead singer of Dead Kennedys, is not everyone's <laughs> cup of tea, but he he literally changed the direction of my life. Like I I can't say that I think he's a great man or a spiritual leader. He's not the fucking Dalai Lama, but I'll tell you what, he brought real fear into my heart for the first time ever. Suburban Kid and Coon Rapids, Dead Kennedys. I mean, Husker Du was sonically challenging, right? And it was very emotional. They hit me at about the same time. But Dead Kennedys, man, I got scared. Every album you bought, there were these giant sort of fanzine yeah. fold-out things that were utterly horrifying. And I was like, the fuck am I looking at? But I, I, I'm, I'm eternally, eternally grateful to the Dead Kennedys. Yeah, we- my friend uh, that introduced me to that band uh, was like, hey, we're going to go to this nameless club in Phoenix, and we're going to go slam dance which is what it was called back before it was sure. a mosh pit. It was called yeah, yeah. slam dancing. And I get hit in the back of the head by an elbow. And I'm like, I am out. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> I'm 16 and it's over. <laughs> I only ever got to see them once. Um, and it was at the armory, which long before yeah. it was transformed into a modern concert venue. It was an armory. It was basically a triple wide yep. basketball court that had upper levels. And it was, you know, just a basic place. Only time I ever saw Dead Kennedys, only time I ever saw Husker do live, and the opening band was Otto's Chemical Lounge, no comment. Um, but I I remember being both thrilled and terrified, and it was absolute. oh, I can see it right now. In fact, a uh, local photographer who worked at First Avenue for decades, Daniel Corrigan, uh, who basically everybody at Sub Pop, you're wearing the Sub Pop oh, shirt yeah. right there. You know those those kind of iconic black and white photos that are on the cover of so many of those mm-hmm. records and typify Sub Pop? Yeah. That was all stolen from Daniel Corrigan. Oh, wow. he, he was brilliant, but he he snuck in to that Dead Kennedys rehearsal early in the day. And he was literally doing the marine crawl across the floor on the upper tier, got up and took a couple pictures. Jello Biafra looked up at him and said, get him! And oh my God. he ran from the... It's one of my favorite stories <laughs> I've ever heard. Anyway, we've gone too long without talking to our guest, and I feel rude. Um, Michelangelo, hello, how are you? I'm awesome, thank you. Michael, what is the name of your business? Because I want you to get it right and for me to not fuck it up. Yeah, sure. So it's OA Design, Build, and Architecture. Now, you and I crossed paths quite some years ago. In fact, it's been years since we've seen one another. You look fit and fine. You doing well? I'm doing great. I feel good. Yeah, yeah. no, I mean, are yeah. you, what are you doing? Are you working out? Are you taking, like, are you drinking the blood of babies? What are you doing? <laughs> you look you look all right. You know, I entered a beard competition once, and I... I'd only been growing my beard for about a month and a half, two months, and mm-hmm. it had gotten fairly big. And whoever was hosting it came over and said, so how long you been growing that? And I said, about seven weeks. And he, that's what he said. He said, you drink the blood of babies. Really? How did you get such a giant, luscious beard? So is I'm going to go with drinking the blood of babies. What I want to do is for <laughs> sure right now, 
let people know from a legal standpoint, there is no proven connection between no. the richness of your beard and drinking the blood of the innocent. So let's just leave that right there and we'll yeah. move along. Michael, you are by trade a rebuilder, uh, an architect, a designer. I mean, how old were you when that bug first bit? How did that happen? Well, so I got to clarify, I am not an architect to get in trouble if I say that I'm an architect. So I can't say that I'm an architect. But you work with architecture. Yes, we have. And we have architects on staff. Understood. Understood. Perform that task. Who do you get in trouble from? The uh, the high council of architects? Yeah, the architect police. Scary, scary. They've got the. Sounds terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. It's like like the Skeksis from. The wands. Yeah. (laughs) It sounds like the Skeksis from fucking Dark Crystal. Jesus Christ. Fucking architects. Anyway, so you're not an architect, but you are a designer and you are a builder and you are a rehabber and you do all that stuff when's the first time the bug bit you so you know it's a funny thing i my path was going to be genetic engineering i wanted to modify food crops to grow in brackish environments i had a full ride out to bates college in maine to to do that i i took a break and went to china and and i never ended up going back to maine and then i ended up back in minnesota uh finishing up school and and this handyman guy was like hey do you want to come work for 20 bucks an hour and that beat working produce at the co-op well at, 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 the, at the time we're talking about 20 bucks an hour is real money it was real money yeah so uh so off i went and i i liked working with my hands i like sculpture mm-hmm. suddenly all the stuff uh you know from my from my sheet metal classes and my chemistry classes were suddenly applicable in this real world kind of task um and uh i'm kind of entrepreneurial and competitive and i thought i can do a better job with this and so within a year i had three crews working for me and the business grew from restoration work we did a lot of queen anne restoration type stuff yeah. uh into remodeling talk uh, to me like i'm an idiot what yeah. is queen anne i don't know what oh the it's those, that the, the victorians with all the colors yes. all oh, the I fancy colors my sister lives in one yeah uh, yeah, right. yeah. I, I like it i just didn't know what yeah. the hell you were talking I ran about an, i ran an ad in the southwest journal that said no one ever <laughs> called a holy wall a saint <laughs> Plaster patching restoration. Pretty good. That's (laughs) pretty good, man. Cost me like $4, and we got a ton of work off of it. Um, More than $4 of work? More than $4 worth of work. (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. But what's crazy is, so that, you know, we grew, we we added staff, we ended up um, getting into bonafide remodeling and and new construction. And I would always point to that as the the origin, but my folks pointed to, uh, in high school, I had built a protest piece i built a house out of scraps someone was remodeling a house nearby and i pulled scraps out of the dumpster and i built this horrible funky weird looking house on the park boulevard as a kind of a protest piece for what we were doing um for hud housing and section eight which was Mm -hmm. all pretty substandard you know this is this is the early this is the early 90s late 80s Mm -hmm. and when you'd walk around the city you'd go to this housing that's supposed to be for folks who can't afford housing and it was horrible stuff to live in so I built this protest piece in Linden Hills right in front of you know everyone who is bougie and doesn't have to see that kind of thing. <laughs> so it turns out it that's why they live in Linden Hills. That's why they live in Linden Hills. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, that's wild, though. So when when did you decide that you were a decent human being and people mattered and they should have somewhere good to live? Because <laughs> I guess that's maybe even more important question than when you chose your chosen profession. I mean, making a protest piece as a kid... 
is not something most kids do. I mean, I sat there in my trench coat with my asymmetrical new wave haircut listening to Dead Kennedys, but I wasn't out there making something that actually mattered and putting it in people's faces, which I love. I think that's brilliant. But why? Why do you give a shit about other people? Uh, that's a hard question, man. I, because I don't, uh, I don't know. It's the Jew in me. Blame it on that. I, <laughs> Did uh, you have parents that were? I mean, I very feel giving, like... thoughtful people, or what? Who was your? Who were your influences? <laughs> I mean, so I, I, these are hard questions. I well, think good. I mean, it's not. It's not TMZ. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. no wrong answer. It's about you, no, man. But I mean, you know, that's I what we're talking. Think about. I want. I mean, but like these, these are big know. things. And you, but again, if you get the answer wrong, yeah. we'll have you back in a couple yeah, months. You can sorry. get the answer right then. Don't worry about it. I mean. All right, so so I will say, uh, you know, I think that uh, social justice is a core part of my upbringing. Uh, you know, our even now, like our company purpose is to, um, you know, to improve the lives of our clients and the well-being of the community. That that's like that's our company's mission now. Even though we're in architecture and design yeah. and construction. Back in high school, I was I led walkouts and protests. Uh, that was when the Gulf War, first Gulf War, was taking place. Where was high school? <clears throat> south High. Oh, you were South. Okay. Yeah. So I, I grew I grew up on Lake Harriet. Yeah. But I wanted to go to South High because that was the art school, and also there was diversity. You know, Southwest had no diversity, and I wanted to go to a place where I would be a minority and I could have an experience that was different. I could see different perspectives. I think what took me to China as well was that same like. There's something out there that's bigger than this. This isn't America's not the world. It's a tiny oh, it's a tiny little country. I wish more people, you know, got that. We're kind of we're I mean I I like to say we're a rounding error to the Chinese. You know, between yeah. between India and China, we, we don't even exist oh, as a population, tiny, you know, yeah. right? We're no, my, <laughs> so. if you if you look at the American, if you look at what the lower 48 looked like on a map and lay that over Africa, we're oh, about fifth of the size of africa i mean we are not the whole world but man do we like to think oh, we are we do we do and we like to think that we're special and that we're somehow the champions of the free world as if we invented freedom and democracy <laughs> which we didn't no yeah uh, i believe that would be the ancient mesopotamians there we go i'm gonna trust you and you are like the fact book no trivia. no no i'm an idiot <laughs> i the thing is though i said it in a deep voice in an authoritative tone and it sounded like i knew what i was fucking talking about whenever i listen to your show and you whip off this <laughs> this name this fact this album this year and i just think i what a terrifying thing to be in like music trivia it's like Ryan doing Oak. a show with dennis miller you know <laughs> right, in no way intellectually way too uh no too advanced. I, I, and you know what i love that i'm a college dropout i didn't i like hey so am i well congratulations welcome right, to the awesome. club it looks like everything's working out for everybody <laughs> um no i you know i use big words not to sound like a bigger brain than i am not to be a show-off not to do that kind of stuff the, the English language, as fucked up as it is, and completely convoluted with no real rules at any point anywhere, it has so many words that you can say exactly what you're feeling. You can mm. say exactly what you want. So mm. when I find a word, I'm like, no, that that's not quite what I want. So then I go and I look for synonyms, and you're right. I'm a nerd. God damn it, Michael. Who's the, the, uh, the author of... Uh, uh, um, Cowgirls Got the Blues and Still Life with the Woodpecker? Oh, Tom. Robbins. Thank <clears throat> you. That that there is an author who, when I read his books, I pull out the dictionary because his use of language <laughs> is so specific. Yep. And he, he doesn't do it to try to mess with you. He You're just, right. He knows there's a good word that's perfectly descriptive of that oblong thing or shape or smell. Yeah. Yep. 
And he'll use it. And that's what I love about language. That's why I like to use the words that I use. As far as being knowledgeable and smart and interesting, I don't know about any of that shit. Before we talk more with Michael Angel, we are going to hear a song because I hate to go too long without hearing a song. And you've brought something by that I've never even heard of before, which I love. I love, whether I like the song or not, it doesn't matter. What I like is finding out what people are into. And you brought along a Japanese band. Now, I'm into a ton of Japanese music. I've never heard of Ulfuls. Ulfuls, yeah. They're, U-L-F-U-L-S. They, yep, they're from Osaka, yeah. which is, I lived in Osaka for a year and got introduced to the, the band. Not personally, I didn't meet them. I didn't get to do Studio C or thing. Yeah, yeah. But uh, no, these guys are insane and crazy and fun. Uh, yeah. I, what it was, I mean, their music is diverse. Their music has a wide range. They're very skilled musicians, but they also like to play with music and play with genres and play with styles, which a lot of Japanese artists like to do as well. Um they have an extra Osaka flair. Osaka's like, you know, like Tokyo is very proper and put together. Yeah. And Osaka is is like the the South, right? Like the northern legier. Japanese are like Osaka's dangerous, dirty, <laughs> rowdy. They're crazy. They get into fights. You know, when you watch movies yeah. and the guys like using that deep guttural voice, like, yeah. like talking like that. Yeah, yeah. That's Osaka Yakuza. That's that deep thing. And. It's real. It's crazy. Apparently, you're into the the triad. You're into <laughs> you're into the Japanese mob, which is cool. And all the tattoos, and that's what. Oh, I can only wait to see your back. I, I can only imagine the gigantic dragon on your back. Big right Ultraman. Now. Big exactly. Ultraman. Right <laughs> I'm familiar. Let's go ahead and hear Old Fools on the Brian Oak Show.
So I, I forgot to mention, Gatsuze, this is the thing they're yeah. singing over and over. In Japanese, Gatsuze is a kind of an encouragement thing that you yell at somebody, like, don't give up. You know, if someone's in a fight and they're, they're about to lose, yeah. you're like, no, Gatsuze! And it's the this very energetic, fun thing to scream and say. Out, so. <laughs> because you're like, get up, do your yeah. thing, come on, one punch man, let's go! One punch, yeah, right? <laughs> let's go. That was actually funky as hell, and it's amazing to me the parts of Western culture that the Japanese musicians like to embrace. Sometimes it's incredibly, I don't have any idea what's happening. Other times, I'm like, oh, Shona Knife, you're being the Ramones, but you're doing a fucking fantastic job at it. So I've seen Shona Knife a half dozen times, and now Otoboke Beaver is coming back early next year. I'm excited, man. That was excellent. Thank you for that pull right there. Before we continue our conversation with Michael Anschel, we are going to talk to my convalescing friend who pre- probably be in a tuberculosis ward right now, Sean Bernard. Uh, Sean Bernard, in addition to being the producer of this fine show uh, and a longtime friend of mine, is also a realtor for Remax Results. And we've talked about the mortgage game, but I mean, like the, the selling game, people get weird about percentage rates and they get weird about the time of year. Has it slowed down? Has it ground to a halt? You know, it has for some people. I'm fortunate that I have people that are still buying and selling. And, and That's my boy, Shawnee B, over there, well, man. He's just, still making it happen. Well, I mean, part of it is that I have long-term relationships with everybody I do, almost everybody I do business with. Right. And so if they were planning on moving two years ago, like this time, they didn't change their mind. Right. And, and a lot of my peers have been living in their homes for many, many, many years. Um, one of the things I like about Michael is just that idea of social justice, if you believe in that, you're also going to be the type of person that's going to listen to what people have to say when they talk to you and what their needs are. You're not going to try to be crazy with what you present to them and that sort of thing. And I think that goes a long way. I think a lot of people say it. They say they're empathetic. They say they're compassionate. But either you are or you aren't. And that really, really matters. And so um, I don't know. I, I love that part of the job. I don't, I don't love real estate. I don't love it. Um, I love helping people buy homes or sell homes or... In many cases, some of the coolest deals I've done are not big money makers. It's helping mom and dad with that home that they've had for 40 years. Mm -hmm. And mom or dad is in tears because they're getting rid of this house that they raised their children in. Spent more than half their life in. That's exactly it. And it's a really, really big deal. But uh, when my friends look at me and they say, I chose you for this because I know that you're going to be kind and gentle with them. And you're not going to rip their house that's a little outdated and... You know, you're going to make kind suggestions and that sort of thing. So so I also donate a portion of every buy and sell to an area musician or band. Uh, just more than anything that, as just like Brian, music has done so much for my soul and for my life. And um, so thankful for it. So it's just a tiny little way to give back. 612-859-2594. I 
cannot recommend my friend Sean highly enough. If you're interested, oh, you. you're thinking about it, even if it's not now, maybe it's next year, yeah. maybe it's three years from now, just give him a ring. Get the get the ball rolling and get it started. An object in motion tends to stay in motion, yes. while an object at rest tends to lay there and rot in the cold, wet leaves of this unbelievably dingy autumn season. It's been a couple of dark days out there, man. Yes. Michael Anshul, um, you are... Um, I'm going to ask you an important question before I ask you a really important question. Sure. Mike Brady, the father in the Brady Bunch, was an architect. I told I was told I couldn't call you an architect. Did you find him a believable architect? And did his choice of vocation in any way inform the life you've chosen to follow? I didn't know he was an architect. Are you kidding me? The time Bobby <laughs> lost lost the blueprints. Oh, that was that was the, a big episode. The tubes. I didn't watch the Brady Brunch. I mean, I knew it existed. I didn't. I didn't. It wasn't interesting to me. Great. Sorry, I you feel like what? I've just you let you what? down in such a big way. No, here. no, but I mean, there's a reason you're never going to be called an architect on this show Damn. again, my good man. <laughs> he was the life lesson guy of the show. He was the guy that was, was constantly he? like, Greg, yeah. you and Marsha are in charge. Now, if you want to go fishing this weekend, oh, like he would always have something where it's I mean, like. If, I didn't get Do to the watch right much thing. TV. If I got to watch commercial TV, yeah. I was going to put on the monkeys. Monkeys you know, are cool. Something, but how do you, how do you watch the monkeys and not the watch Saint. the Brady Bunch? Get smart. Also, get a, smart. You know, I, only got, I only got thirty minutes. That, I, it was very that, is, that is the first get smart <laughs> reference I've heard. Wow. In 30 years. Wow. Which is genius, by the way. Michael Anschel is our guest right now. You are from OA Design and Build and Architecture. You have recently been, now I don't know, what is the GC? The GC. General Contract. Yeah. Okay, all right. So you were recently selected to be the GC for the Pillsbury Castle Remodel. And by calling it a castle, it's not damning it with faint praise. I don't know if people have heard the name Pillsbury before. A little, <laughs> little bit of money. little bit of money going on there. All right. So they had an actual freaking castle. Where is the Pillsbury Castle? So the Pillsbury Castle is one of the Pillsbury homes yeah. that they built for their kids. And I think this is Alfred Pillsbury's house. Do they have like an island or where? I mean, where it's, is this thing? So it's directly Roughly. across from MIA. So you're really? at the, yeah, yep. you're right across the park from the Institute of Arts. Yep. Um, and there's the Gale Mansion is over there. Yeah. Um, and and the Pillsbury Castle is is one of those. Which it's, is so weird because over on 21st, I used to live on 21st and Clinton, which is one of the most derelict, yeah. awful places yeah. that you could imagine in South Minneapolis. It was terrifying to live there. And just two short blocks away, you've got some of the most impressive and illustrious mansions that have ever existed in the city and the MIA. So you get selected, your organization, OA, gets selected to rebuild this how do you even i mean it's one thing to go in and redo somebody's basement right it's one thing to go in and be like you don't be great in here some elevated shelves <laughs> but then it's another thing to be like fix this fucking castle do it and uh, where do you start i mean so this is a really unique project uh the the owners matthew and ryan uh, purchased this castle they partnered with asid which is the american society of interior designers mm. there are i think 15 or so designers each assigned to different rooms in the castle for really? this remodel. Uh, and then there are... Is that a nightmare, by the way? Can I ask? Um, because, the, I mean, that whole thing about too many cooks... Uh, oh, it gets worse. Oh. Or it gets better. The, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Then please continue. <laughs> yeah. I'll just sit here and listen. So we're the GC, and we have, uh, underneath us, we have seven remodelers who, oh in their gosh. own rights, are good GCs, yeah. who are working under us, along with all of our trade partners... Uh, and then PKA is the architect of record for the for the project as well. 
there are so many, 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 many cooks. I, I'm not going to describe it as a nightmare. <laughs> um, because I, I still sleep really well at night. Good. It is it is a unique challenge. There's a lot of things that we've built um, that have been structurally very, very, very challenging. We built Bob Gardner of Gardner Builders Home a number of years ago, and that had 40 foot, 45 foot long flying glue lamb beams that were you know four feet tall that we had a series of cranes wow. that were all holding them in place while we put in these fancy brackets. I mean, oh that one gosh. was structurally very, very unique and challenging. Wild. This, this is a lot of the same thing over and over and over again just scaled up with a lot of different pieces. And so it's really the challenge for us has been on the administrative side. It's more, how do you manage your communication? How do you make sure all your pieces are moving in the right direction at the same time? And there's, there's a lot of pieces. It's like a giant mixer board, right? You two, know? two quick questions. One, yeah. are you worried that because you're here right now and not overseeing the project that someone's fucking something up no, right now? Not at all. Okay, good. Uh, second is <laughs> when you have to deal with a massive historical landmark like that, I would imagine from an ordinance view or a city view that there are even more hoops to jump through than there would be just doing a rebuild or a remodel on even a beautiful home. It's different when it's Pillsbury Castle. It is. It's a landmark. So the exterior is, is very, very protected. Um, uh, so any modifications to the exterior facade have to run through Historic Preservation Committee and they've got to get approval. The, the inside is not protected. Um, hmm. and, and previous owners had butchered. Weird. Had See, that's a fun fact. It is. It's an unusual I like one. that. Yeah. Uh, and previous owners ha- had had done some things they shouldn't have done with this home. Wallpaper, of, right? Pretty bad wallpaper. Uh, not even that. Like, like bad, bad. Like plumbing wasn't done right. Like, they, like non vented appliances. Ooh. Like, yeah, like bad stuff. We're finding a lot of structural deficiencies. The way that the it was originally built, and then as you know, other remodelers went into that space where they carved out things they shouldn't have carved out. Yeah. So the number of structural repairs, uh, and then we're putting in a forty-five foot elevator. Ooh, that's not cheap. Inside of inside of putting building elevators is hard outside of buildings. Yeah. They're usually the first thing that gets built when you build a building. Right. Putting it in after the building exists is uh is that one is a fun that's a fun one that's a fun puzzle. That's good fun. You know what I like is that you are a purveyor of positivity. You believe <laughs> that that sounds like fun, and it sounds like a living, actual nightmare. How big is Pillsbury Castle? How many square feet are we talking it's about? about? 10,000 square feet. That's a huge place. It is. Well, it's it is got called secret castle. rooms and everything. Oh, go on. Oh, yeah, no. So in the lower level, um, there is a, uh, a, a whole room that was imported from England from the 16th century. What? Wow. And was built in the basement, and it's got I mean, no no joke hand scraped wooden panels. It's got the leaded glass windows. Wow. This was an exterior thing. Yeah, and behind that is a bank vault door where the art collection used to be. Stop it. That's going to become a little speakeasy kind of thing. And behind that it gets better. There is a wardrobe like in Lion the Witch and right. Oh yeah, and I'm you familiar. Open Narnia. It. I think yeah. we've wow. all heard of it. Yeah, you open this thing up, and there's a little tunnel. To yet another secret room. Stop it. When do we get to go see it? Because <laughs> I, I love it's that sort of thing. Cool. I, I, I got to be honest. My last couple of weeks have sucked out loud, and so I didn't prioritize coming on a tour before we had you on the podcast. We're absolutely doing this sometime this or next week. Awesome. Because, uh, probably next week. Uh, maybe after that. Anyway, <laughs> I mean, like that kind of secret stuff, that kind of, like having that kind of money where you're like, no, I want this to look like a tea cozy. Yeah. Oh, except underneath the tea cozy, 
is the sex dungeon. I mean, whatever. I mean, obviously, that's not what the Pillsbury's were up to, and I don't mean to paint them in a negative light. But damn, I don't think that's, that's a negative thing. No, I don't either. I mean, well, again, I mean, no one's getting hurt. It's all consensual. I'm not going to make anybody go in the sex dungeon. They can come if they like. Not again. But dang. But do do. But pow. But just all once. Right. Just once. Before, Only once before, in the sex dungeon. Before we go on and hear more about Michael's work on local historical sex dungeons um <laughs> let's get oh, another man, song I took a turn. I, yeah, I, I, i'm sorry i made it dark <laughs> that's my fault that's not on you um let's get another song you have chosen fantastic negrito a thing that as a white man i feel uncomfortable even saying out loud but he chose it as an, an a nom de plume some time ago he did tell me about it i mean why'd you pick uh, so this if one? you haven't heard of fantastic negrito he's He's phenomenal. Uh, Tiny Desk, the NPR's music show, yes. is where I first bumped into him. Mm. He won that year's Tiny Desk. Which, by the way, for people who don't know Tiny Desk, you know, my relationship with public radio is soured somewhat. But NPR, National Public Radio, the Tiny Desk series is one of the coolest things. That, I is. mean, for it me, is. it's like it's my Studio C that I worked yes. in Cities 97 mm. forever. But it, they're literally in a bright, sunshiny office, literally sitting on someone's desk and playing an everybody's been on it. And so the fact that you found this guy through that, I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Guar was on that thing. I, <laughs> I mean, honest on. to God, right, I yeah. mean, Guar, Ben Folds, pick your poison. Yeah. You know? yeah. But there, there have been thousands of them, and they're all excellent. They're, they're, I mean, if you get into learning more about a band, they're worth watching. Guar was on there, really. Yeah. So Negrito was on. It, it kind of launched his second career. I I had never heard of him. He had had a first career. He changed his name. Uh, he had a horrible traffic accident. He, he is one of his, his arms is horribly disfigured, doesn't work mm. very well. So he's limited in what he can do. Mm -hmm. And he had this kind of reinvention of self, decided to start making the music that he really heard in his head that resonated with his soul. It's very community driven. It's very social justice driven. Um, he's, you know, producing his own label He's got his own gardens now, but he's also a multi-Grammy winning award. I mean, he, he won Best New Artist. He won Grammy after Grammy after Grammy, and they're well-deserved. Sometimes, you know, there's an artist who gets a Grammy, like, really? Yeah. That one? Yeah. <laughs> but Negrito is solid and, and approachable. Like he, he and I are Facebook friends, and we've had a number of conversations, and who would think you could just reach out and have that? He's very genuine, and the music is is rich. I mean, it's powerful. It's a, it, it's a cultural thing. Um, he's speaking to it from a place that none of us here in this room can relate to and you get to hear that in in his voice and his music Th this one that i've got for you today is it's got this driving rhythm to it it's structurally just simplified it's just it's kind of like in art or in architecture when you look at something and it's just kind of perfect and you try to figure out why and there's not a lot happening but it just it's all the right pieces and just the right you know yeah now I'm in love again No, this time is not with my hand Wandering, murdering Every time that I get the chance Cause I want to 
But today it feels so bad These streets got me wandering Looking for my fix again I should have played the Chinese girl Now I'm losing everything I had Yesterday it felt so good But now today it feels so bad I guess if you're into excellent music, that's okay. Fantastic <laughs> Negrito on the Brian Oak Show. An honest man. Hi, my name is Brian. That's Sean. Our guest is Michael Anschel. Now, Michael, you have always been an interesting guy. The first time we ever hung out, it was, not going to say it was at your place of work, but I do remember that we guzzled a significant amount of brown liquor. It may have happened. Sadly, those days are in my rearview mirror, but I still remember that day fondly because I remember when I stood up to leave, it was not yet time to leave. I was not able to stand up, but it was a good one. So I asked every person who comes on the podcast to, hey, hit me with a little info. Let me know the songs you want to play, et cetera, et cetera. You went through the full list. 
Pillsbury Castle, ProTradeCraft.com. You're filming season three of a show right now? What show is that? This is the Building Resilience Show. Yeah. Uh, and it's a show about designing for resilient construction and resilient construction best practices. What does that mean? Uh, so this is going to be everything from um, your high-performance homes with insulation, right? So you're more energy independent, so you're more resilient that way. I get it. All right. Uh, water conservation. This is going to be healthy materials so that... You know, you've got a healthy environment inside. It's going to be uh, how you site a structure on the land so that it's not going to get flooded or knocked down. It's building for hurricane resistance and tornado resistance. And so it's it's all of the things. There's this group called the Resilient Design Institute out of Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. that Alex Wilson runs. And um, they have these principles of resilient design, which is kind of an extension of green building, which is an extension of sustainability, which is this whole idea that there's a a better way for us to, to live. Well, I know that's always been part of your philosophy, but what you're telling me is that you can actually take that approach and still make real money. Very much. Oh, yeah, for sure. I for mean, sure. But, but I think a lot of people are like, that's impractical. That'll never work. That's too expensive. We want to crap out some more of these shitty box-shaped Ikea-looking condos as opposed to doing anything that might last a minute. Yeah, you know? I mean... I we, mean, you working inside Pillsbury Castle, yeah. it's been there a long time. You want to build stuff that is going to be there a long time. That's the whole point, that right? That is, yeah. So, yeah, Billsbury Castle is 120 years old. We did a, uh, a project for season one of Building Resilience where we took a, a similar 120-year-old structure. The remodel that we did to it, th- this house will easily go two, 300 years, easily, with its new configuration. Which is the way it's as opposed to in 15 years, this place will be crawling with bugs and no one will want to live here, right. which yeah. is unfortunately kind of the modern model, right? I mean, the modern model is a lo- lot of square footage, yeah. cheap materials, uh, build to the warranty is something that the builder community sometimes might say, mm-hmm. not that I've ever heard it. What? Uh, right. You know, what does the state, <laughs> what does the statute say? And that's how you, that's, that's the goalpost. And, you, and, you know, so you get carpet, vinyl siding, you get a lot of shoddy materials that uh, are intended to look like they're nice, but they wear out quickly, and yep. then you replace them, and that that's that, that's not sustainable. It's no. not practical, and it's it certainly ends up not being more resilient, expensive. is it? It's definitely not. No. no, building resilience can be found on YouTube or at ProTradeCraft.com. In the bio that you sent me before we wrap things up here, you said something that I found very interesting. Oh, I bought a laser engraver, and then you went <laughs> ellipsis, and you said. You know how us Jews are with our lasers. Ha ha. What? I don't know what that means. I, don't I laughed out loud, but I'm like, I didn't I, I didn't know lasers were a Jewish thing. Oh, of course, Marjorie Taylor Greene has this whole, and Lauren Bobert oh, and all those, right, the, the Jewish space lasers. lasers. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, you know. Uh, we can. You know, we run the world. We run the banks, the movie industry, everything, and we have lasers. So oh, no, are you no, also, I mean, are you also a moil with, with a this thing? Are you a moil with this laser? I'm not that good yet. Okay. I understand. <laughs> it's important <laughs> to know your your real talent. I get the Zionist conspiracy, and I'm totally on board with it. But I do not believe you have any space lasers yet. <laughs> no space lasers. Dear God in heaven! But I did. I, when I read that this morning, I laughed out loud, and I appreciate that because today I could definitely use a laugh. One last question before we let you go. The final thing you wrote is ski season is almost here. When's the first time you ever put on downhill skis? Oh, I don't remember it. I was young. My parents evidently put me on skis. I remember young two, young seventeen. Yeah, like young two or three. Okay. But then in junior high, I joined ski club, and I remember doing that. And I may have had a little of that that 
that brown stuff that we used to Peppermint consume. Peppermint schnapps! <laughs> nice. nice. Yeah. I may have broken a few bones, but I returned to skiing in my 30s, fell yeah. in love with it. I, I teach it now, and ski season, Where I love Where do you teach skiing? Uh, Blizzard Ski School. It's a uh, traveling ski school all winter. Yeah. What don't you do? I bet you can't throw a boomerang for shit. I can't throw a boomerang for shit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if people are interested in seeing the kind of work that your company produces, or dare I say, would might maybe even like to have you come and take a look or a consult, what's Ground Zero? What's the best place for people to find out about OA? Uh, so OADesignBuild.com, our website is, that's the place to find us, or on our Instagram uh, at OA Builds, we we update the Instagram every day. The website, you know, once a year or so. So how how long does something like I mean, obviously, the Pillsbury Project is a very specific build, a very different build than your average Renault or whatever. For sure. How long do you think this is going to take? Given the number of players involved, given the amount of administration, given the hoops that need to be jumped through, I mean, are you doing this all next year as well? I so phase one is a year. Yeah. Phase two is another seven to eight months. Okay. And then there might be phase three on top. So I'd say it's you know it's a four to eight million dollar project that will span between two to four years. Will you be placing any Jewish lasers on the roof to protect the property? <laughs> I may have already done that, but I can't. I can't. Of course, you could, you you could tell me, but you'd have to kill me. You do I have totally the auto reverse set up with the seeing eye for the drawbridge, right? Yeah. Good, right? Have you ever built no. a drawbridge? I have not built a drawbridge. What about a portcullis? You know that giant thing that comes down in front of oh, the main yeah. gate? No. That has the, the spiky, spikes, the spikes the spikes on it? Yeah. What about the tunnel? Remember the tunnel things where they shut the doors and either oh. the spikes come flying in? Oh, yeah. 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 So, yeah. No, not that either. No. Well, what the hell? I thought you guys were a high-end place. <laughs> if, you need a, if you need a doughboy at all, I'm always available. <laughs> Sean, I hope you feel better, <laughs> Thanks, my good man. man. Appreciate Michael, it. excellent to see your face, man. It's Dude, been a really long awesome. time. Yeah, yeah. This is great. Uh, I want to thank Smart Start MN. I want to thank our guy, the mortgage guy, Scott McKay. Scott McKay? Yeah, Scott McKay. For some reason, I suddenly doubted myself. I'm like, I don't want to fuck up his name. Scott McKay, I know you. I see you. I feel you. Scott McKay, our mortgage guy. Also, thanks to Sean and thanks to our friends at AudioQuip. Without them, we are nothing. Literally, we don't have all this gorgeous equipment we have here in the Smart Start MN studio. And for all of you people out there, Patreon supporters, listeners, amplifiers, genuinely appreciated very, very much. Michael, before we let you go, we would like to know why you picked this. Now, I know why you picked this song because it's bad as fuck, but <laughs> I want to know why you picked this song. So you asked me for three songs, which is hard. For, I'm Like, I struggled with three. One and two is easy. Three yeah. is hard because that's the last That's the last one, and there's like 10 or 12 that are all really fun, cool no, songs. No, and you put them all on here, and you're and like, you pick. Yeah. I'm like, no, 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 no. Well, because you know what? When guests come on, there are no right or wrong answers when it comes to music love, right? Yeah. I just wanted you to pick something that you enjoyed. Yeah. So um, I went with Silk Sonic, uh, Fly, F- Fly is Me, because first, Silk Sonic are awesome, right? So Anderson Pack and Bruno Mars, awesome in their own right. They're genius together. They it's so, so good much fun. and it's so seventies. And that's the bit right there. I think yeah. is the thing you just said. It's fun. Like it doesn't feel like there's anything at stake. They both have their own careers already carved out of the earth. Yeah. But then they get together. Like you want to fuck around, and do some funky shit, right? And it's amazing, right? And yeah. then, so they write like "Fly as Me." How audacious do you have to be to be like <laughs> write a song called? If you could be as fly as me. Yeah. Right? Nice. I mean, t- right. But it's all tongue in cheek and they have, s- they play with it. The lyrics are fun. They reference all kinds of fun things. I don't know. It seemed like a good, 
It's a gloomy, rainy, yucky day, yeah. so let's go out with, uh, you know. Let's have a good time. Yeah. Also, fuck, you wish you were as fly as me, okay? <laughs> Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Sean. One, two, make you want to... Like it's the Apollo. Your walk is vicious. Let's get down to business. You and me together. Woo, that's a 